Welcome to our show. Today, we'll be discussing interoperability and the vital role that it plays in the healthcare industry. Today's guest is Doc DeVore. He is a senior product manager at Matrix Care with over 20 years experience in the areas of data exchange between healthcare systems and related interfaces. Matrix Care podcasts are brought to you by the software leaders for long-term care providers. Our expertise and solutions include skilled nursing, senior living, life plan communities, home health, and much, much more. Thanks for listening. My name is Rob Price, Senior Product Manager here at Matrix Care. I specialize in analytics. Let's begin today's show with Doc DeVore. So, Doc, first of all, I want to just understand, how would you describe the maturation of interoperability in healthcare IT, say, over the last 10 years or so? Oh, wow, that's a great question, Robin. Thanks for having me on uh, on the podcast. You know, I oftentimes, Rob, will equate that uh, in a slide uh, that I do uh, with back to the old sneaker net days, right? So, and even prior to that, when you wanted to get one a piece of information, one system or the other, you printed it out and you walked it down to somebody and they put it in their system or they put it in their chart or whatever they did. And then along came uh, floppy drives, right? And you could take it out of your computer and you could carry it down to the other computer and we called that sneaker net. <laughs> And then uh, along came the USB, the thumb drives. You know, we call them thumb drives or USB drives. And it was just a more advanced version of sneaker net, right? Smaller, more compact. Um, and then along came this thing called the Internet, you know, that all of us started to discover in the mid-'90s. You know, it had been around uh, as ARPANET, right, uh, for the military for a long time. But all of a sudden, we some, somehow suddenly discovered it in the early-'90s. And, oh, I could send stuff a different way. So now I could email stuff or I could, you know, drop files someplace. But it was still just even even more advanced version of uh, sneaker net. Uh, whereas today, what we're talking about is the ability to, uh, inside of an application, uh, using, I'm going to call it stuff that the Internet does every day, uh, post something to some endpoint somewhere, and it just magically shows up in the other system. Of course, in between was the, uh, handling this transaction was some electrical plumbing, if you will, uh, to handle moving the message to the other side instead of the sneakers, uh, and it was maybe uh, an uh, integration engine of some kind that... Uh, saying, oh, you gave it to me in this format, but I need it in that format, so it transforms that, um, and then uh, delivers it to the other system in the format that they want. So that's how we've come along, and, and we really have seen that explosion really only in the last uh, uh, 10 years, and in healthcare, it's probably really only been in the last five or six years where we've started to see a standardization of what those formats are and uh, so on. But, but great question. It's a, it's a fun topic to get into. And it's a fun way that you described it and, and all of the uh, flaws that come with things like thumb drives now and the security risks. Of email. Oh, now, yeah. It's yeah. kind of been a forced maturity level to this thing now that is, as you described, the plumbing, which commonly is referred to as, as application programming interface or API, is that, a, is that a fair way to describe the plumbing of, of all this exchange? Yeah, so the application programming interface, API, uh, is a way to describe what that plumbing looks like, what the message, the transaction looks like, if you will, uh, and any transformations that I might have to do along the way. 
we talk about three T's. There's the transaction, there's the transportation, and then could be some transformation, right? Because not every system stores data the same way. I put it here, you put it there, and so the engine can do that. So that's a good way to talk about it. So we've seen where we've come from SneakerNet to, to where we are today, and, and I like the, the way you put it about the healthcare industry, you know, kind of catching up here. It's sort of similar in my area of analytics as well. Healthcare always seems to lag in the adoption of technologies, potentially that other industries have long since adopted. But if you look ahead now, what would the next level of maturity be for interoperability in healthcare? I hear about fire. I hear about blockchain. Where, where are we headed next five years from now? Say? Yeah, blockchain is kind of intriguing. I'm going to save that for later. I think what's really starting to catch on is uh, fire, which is spelled F-H-I-R, Fast Healthcare Interoperability Resources is what it stands for. Uh, and that's a, a way to move data. And you use that kind of an API probably every day, uh, Rob, I do. You've got probably in your pocket, like I do, a cell phone, and you have a fitness tracking app, or you have a, uh, 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 well, let's take the Google Maps. That's all basically an API. Uh, so when you're logging into those things and you're updating your data, that's all API-driven. So imagine if you could then have a way to do the same kind of things with healthcare data. What if I could pull up my phone and make an appointment with my doctor, and when the lab results get back, it could show up on my phone and I could see some stuff that I could do with it. And those are all things that we're actively kind of like working on, uh, Rob. I mean, it's really exciting to think about the possibilities where we could go with uh, truly restful APIs. So maybe even not five years from now, certainly a much closer time frame for some of those things that you articulated there. Uh, Doc, just a quick uh, break here. Today's episode brought to you by Matrix Care. We are the leaders in long-term care software that aims to improve the lives of seniors and the people who care for them. If you have software needs to manage your clinical or financial information in skilled nursing, senior living, home care, or life plan communities, please visit our website at www.matrixcare.com to learn more. So, Doc, we are the leaders or consider ourselves the leaders in interoperability. What makes Matrix Care special in, in backing up those claims? Well, what are the details behind sure, that? Sure, sure. Yeah, so I, interesting, uh, just this morning, uh, Rob, I was looking at some of those interesting kinds of things. So, for instance, we, we have connections to somewhere in the neighborhood of 80 different third-party vendors, uh, uh, partnerships that we have, uh, financial, clinical, and everything in between. Um, our integration engines are processing more than 2 million messages a day um, in standards-based formats. We're still the only, the first and only uh, vendor uh, in long-term care that signed the ONC's uh, interoperability pledge a couple of years ago at HIMSS. Uh, so we're the only ones who have said we are committed to a standards-based open API and will not block data. Yes, we'll share data to and from our competitors uh, if that's what it takes to make things work for our clients. Uh, so we are committed to that. I think that's what sets us apart uh, is that uh, we're not only saying that, but we're doing 
more than two million times a day. And without naming names, uh, it's not the, the, the intent here, but what, what are some of the barriers that stop that free flow of information from occurring between systems? I'm sure we may run into it from time to time with various trading partners. What, what, what are the couple of biggest barriers and how can they be overcome or why do they even pop up in the first place? Yeah, I, I, think, uh, I think it's important to understand a lot, of the, a lot of the barrier really comes down to business alignment. Uh, one of the reasons interoperability has been kind of slow to take place in, in healthcare is, uh, meh, why, why is that important to me? Until there's an alignment of business interests, right? When my hospital says you need to exchange data with me in order to be a preferred partner, all of a sudden my business interests have aligned with theirs, right? Okay. And so I think that is the number one barrier. And they're the usual things, uh, although it's getting better in the standards arena. Uh, every software vendor uh, takes a slightly different approach to how they do things. That's what makes everybody competitive and, and does their own thing. Uh, but that means that there's always the challenge of, you know, what standard are we going to use to exchange data? And uh, so that's back to that open API. Can we work together to arrive at something that makes sense from a standards point of view? Um, it's more the business alignment model that slows things down. Uh, and, of course, two competitors exchanging data, I mean, they're going to want to protect their own interests, but uh, we are committed to doing the right thing for our customer. Yeah, kind of the what's in it for me is the, is the typical vendor response, but it's ultimately sure. going to be driven by uh, patient demand and patient quality is, is where everything is headed. You, you talked about standards, and I hear a lot, and not dealing with it every day, certainly understand what, Health Level 7, the HL7 standard is, and you had mentioned it's a, it's a standard, but it's a standard that is used a little bit differently or can be used differently, wide latitude versus the practitioner, right? And that, that could create then problems for uh, maybe inexact or unexpected results, even though you're using the same standard, correct? Yeah, the, uh, for instance, we were talking about FHIR a moment ago, is an HL7 standard, but it's the latest implementation of how to use a reference data model uh, that started out in the, in the 80s, what, what we call EDI, a, a term I'm sure you've heard, electronic data interchange, right? And that goes back to those uh, sneaker net days, right? And so we're talking about delimited type files that are hard to read. Um, and there's enough wiggle room in the interpretation of, well, do I put this in that bucket or do I put that in that bucket? Well, I don't want, I want to have this other thing. And so there's a lot of one-offs to that thing. What happened is that progressed into the clinical document architecture, a newer version of that older standard, is a little more standardization but a lot of complexity. And then what we saw with FHIR was the ability to get down to just describing the exact resource that I'm talking about, a person resource or uh, an observation of uh, O2 saturation, for instance, if you will. Uh, so we get down to uh, common English words for things that make it easier to just say, oh, we agree on, on how to do that. So that's the maturation that has taken place. Uh, we're not there across the board yet. Um, but standards is becoming less of an issue, um, but still some catch-up uh, to do uh, with all of us. So, Doc, in closing, um, as we wrap up the podcast here, we've talked about you know where the industry has been and where it's going and, and some of the nuts and bolts regarding the standards. But ultimately, 
it's all about what's being exchanged and how that's driving the, the, the quality of, uh, of somebody's life or, or the providers that care for them, right? So as we close, what, what, you mentioned the CDA document, the clinical mm -hmm. document architecture. What are the most important uh, or, or common data elements that, that mean something to a, to a patient and to a provider that, that uh, trading partners like to share? Sure. Uh, we often talk about as PAMI, uh, problems, allergies, medications, and immunizations. Um, and so if as a provider I can get from the last person, the person who is transferring this person's care to me, what are the problems, the diagnosis codes, you know, uh, what are the medications that they're on today, uh, do they have any allergies or other kinds of interactions that I need to be aware of, uh, are there any immunizations that have been done, and then if I can maybe get the care plan uh, or the doctor's plan of care, when they left the hospital, the doctor said, this is what you need to do. I am miles ahead of that sneaker net. Uh, it's only been in the last couple of years where we were able to get away from printing all of that out in 30 or 40, 50 pages of paper, strapping it to the gurney as we sent that person to the next location. If I can get that electronically in real time, uh, I'm miles ahead. And that's where, where we're getting to, uh, very close to today. Yep, and driving up the quality of care and, of course, eliminating waste from the healthcare system. Absolutely, so. absolutely. Well, Doc, thanks for your time today. That, that concludes today's episode of the Matrix Care Podcast. Thank you for listening. Be sure to visit us at www.matrixcare.com for more information on our products and services. Also, give us feedback on iTunes. Let us know everything from how to improve the podcast to future topics that you would like to see. On behalf of Dr. Bohr and Matrix Care, Please uh, join us again next time, and thanks for listening.